KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's alright with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives every weeknight at 6. I'm Aldon Carousel's punk rock farmer in the studio, as always, with Laura Jones. Hey, Aldine, how's your garden growing with these cooler temperatures? Mm, I'm still, you know, kind of bummed yeah. out that I didn't get a lot of tomatoes. I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. I brought tomatoes. eBay brought tomatoes. Take our tomatoes. I put up four big packages today, so I'm kind of happy about that. I made uh, seven... Pints of salsa today, too. I made a cilantro one that's kind of like the restaurant-style one you get that has cilantro and is, yeah. isn't so hot. Yeah. So I'm, I've been on it. And your fig tree is starting to do something? I've had a few figs in the last couple of weeks. I, and this morning I went out, and I, they don't make it into the house. I eat them right <laughs> off the tree. <laughs> well, I'm excited for tonight's show. you got a great lineup. What do you got? Do you know it's Eat Local Week? So we've got quite a few things circling around that, and Carly Gillespie is here from urban food connections and they're the ones behind this thing it starts tomorrow it goes for a whole week encouraging folks to eat local as much as you can and there's a there's a contest where or like a a, a, challenge. a challenge is what it is yes and you, you can, can go hard or you go can at just different levels and we'll talk about that and then uh, carolyn hargraves from the ud AF, the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food, is with us, and she just took a new position there, and also Annie Dunaway, and she's with the Ogden Food Council, and she's also with UDAF for their grants program, which all have to do with small farmers, and we're going to talk local food with yeah. those guys, too. And then... Yes, <laughs> even Nick, more! Nick Valeski's with us, <laughs> and I'm really happy. He hasn't been for quite a while. We did a COVID thing with him on Zoom, I think, one, and... Um, we're going to try to set up a thing where maybe he comes a couple of times uh, bi-monthly or something, you know, something like that every other month maybe. And uh, he's the guy at USU Extensions, and he knows all about the diseases that are uh, with the plants and things. And we're going to talk the tomato apocalypse with him. I didn't have it. Uh, I, I got off easy, I think. Whatever. I don't <laughs> even want to hear it. Well, you know I've had troubles in past years, so I feel I know, like I was but you, And then you always get over. Too, you had the first tomatoes this uh, year. You, yeah. Did I? Did I have I, the first? I one? think you did. They you took know. forever. And I know All this right. year was kind of slow. We'll find out why. And Nick Valeski, yeah. He's yeah. Okay. And we have a couple of special guests during rallies and resources. We've always got Skywatcher Leo T, who's reporting from far afield in the Wind River Valley. Jessica Coral of Frida Fiesta, which is happening at the Gateway tomorrow. Carly Gillespie from Tomorrow's Farmers Market. But we're going to start where we always start in Studio One. B, or is it 3B? I've lost track of the studios we have down here. They're beautiful. We got the snarling yarns out on. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. Howdy. Hey, it's great Howdy. to have you guys here. You guys, um, quite a few members here. Six. Uh, yeah. We're missing our six. Yeah, our banjo player's not here. But. What? No banjo. All right. <laughs> We're going easy on you tonight. Well, guitar players got the right shirt on with the thank B you, thank there. You. Represent. Representing KRCLB. So good. glad to have you all because we had to cancel we, we due to COVID right, and engineering right. and all of that. So I'm so glad we found a, a way and a time to get you back in We're here. We're so glad to be back. We really are. Thanks for having us. Very good. So this first song is called Garbage Night. I assume it's about wheeling the, the can out. You know it. And uh, to, that was last night for me. I'm sure everybody has <laughs> their own little time. But um, this right here is the Snarling Yarns, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM with Garbage Night. Reminds me of a human heart in the Aztec 
Cultures One Sky coming to you from the thriving Poposhella River near the Wind River Range of Wyoming. As we look up into the sky in the morning, into the blue, in the afternoon, some puffy clouds, and when the afternoon starts to turn to dusk and the twilight's last gleaming, the blue gets darker. And before it starts to turn purple, Big Arcturus makes an appearance in the south above the pine trees, and directly overhead is Sparkling Vega. Then you can find the Summer Triangle, or Cygnus the Swan, which, yes, is still way up in the sky. As we work our way to the autumnal equinox coming up, this area has the Milky Way run right through it. And it has amazing star trails to scope out when it gets a little bit darker. And in the meantime, get out in the mountains by a rushing stream and check out Sagittarius coming up with nebula clusters in the center of the galaxy before Saturn and its jaunty rings and and later, giant Jupiter and its ever-changing moons comes up, and away we go. All night long, on September 23rd, the aforementioned equinox marks the start of fall in the northern hemisphere and spring in the southern. These occur twice a year when the Earth's tilt is just right. It tilts to the sun. It's the same for both hemispheres. Both north and south receive the same amount of sunlight, and day and night are briefly of nearly the same and taking the Skywatcher ship out to Jupiter to join NASA's Juno spacecraft, which is performing some amazing feats. And we'll be making a very fast flyby of one of the icy moons, Europa, which underneath the ice has liquid, which could possibly lead to life. Juno passes a mere 200 miles above its surface on September 29th. Stay tuned for pictures from NASA and JPL. And of course, the new moon rocket lifts off soon as engineers work on a hydrogen leak on one of the engines and make sure that everything is working just right. NASA will be lifting off with the sequel to Apollo in the next few days or in October, so stay tuned. It's many cultures, one sky. This is Taninja. Every morning the birds come, excited for the day, excited to feel the sun or the rain or whatever the universe offers. Not concerned with yesterday or tomorrow, but only the now, the full joy of this moment. It's the delicate creatures that are the wisest, so aware of the fragility of life, they waste no time in achieving happiness. They already know what is important. Breathe the air in deeply, calm your soul. The secret is being told in the chirps and melodies. Listen. So look up, look around, and get lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Thank you, Skywatcher Leo T. Check tonight's show notes, folks, to catch up with Leo. And do check out his Facebook page where he posts all his sources and those cool photos that he was talking about. So do check that out. You're listening to Radioactive. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones Aldine in the studio as the Punk Rock Farmer, wearing the shirt and everything. <laughs> so i uh, got a couple of special guests that we want to talk to. Tomorrow, 
There is Frida Fiesta, I think first annual, and we have a guest here to share the details. Jessica, is it Coral or Corral? It's Corral. Hey, thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so excited about having our first annual Frida Fiesta. And so when you say we, what organization is putting it on? So I am co-founder of Latina Social Club. We are a group of five women here in Utah that got together and decided, you know what, Utah needs more diversity and more community events and we want to share our culture with everyone and so that's kind of where that started. Hispanic Heritage Month through the 15th. Lila Downs, I'm reminded, there's a poster on the wall coming to town the end of October and the poster is beautiful folks. You got to you got to find this poster. Her costume is great and your dress tonight equally colorful. What can we expect tomorrow at Frida Fiesta? You can expect music, a great event for the whole family. There's going to be kids activities. We are going to have live mural artists, Ooh. which is really exciting. Yeah, local Latina artists are going to be making mur murals, and um, that's going to be live. We're going to have a DJ, folkloric dancing, um, face painting for the kids, princess sing-alongs. It's a little bit of culture celebration with art immersion and just for the kids to come and join and have a good time. So what is it about Frida for you in particular? You know, I love that Frida is a staple of our culture. She was such a rich artist, her, the way she painted, you know, her life and how she expressed herself through her paintings. Just to me is just, you know, Hispanic Mexican culture. Yeah. And so we thought, how can we combine this beautiful artist, which is, you know, still remembered today. Many mm -hmm. people identify with her and relate to her in her form of art. How can we, you know, collaborate it with our culture? And so we thought, Frida Fiesta, let's do art, let's, let's do, do a celebration. And so that's how that came about. Very good. You know, um, we've talked a little bit out in the lobby about going to Mexico City and actually going to Casa Azul. And what a what an amazing, I mean, they have her dresses and they're on, on and her bedroom and her yeah. paints and in the courtyard out back. It's really amazing. It's really, it's really. It's beautiful. It's definitely something that everyone should experience. And they even have what she painted with, yeah, which right. to me was like, astonishing like those are her brushes <laughs> yes like she touched that I'm right. in the presence of it yeah. well in her life uh, I went through a whole Frida period I have to admit and read everything I could get my hands on and um, but I'm really excited about the muralists you have coming tomorrow Can, do you remember any of the names of the artists that you put? yeah I do so um, Bianca is one of them and she is a local Latina artist she is going to gonna be doing her own little twist on Hispanic Heritage Month Basically, we've asked every artist to paint whatever they would like that relates or identifies with Hispanic Heritage Month or Frida. So she is actually doing a painting of El Paletero, so the um, popsicle man. And so I've seen the art piece. It's it's going to be beautiful. Where are those going to be? Because I remember we did the Queens of, of Rock uh, a couple years ago down mm -hmm. there. Is it on at the Olympic Plaza part? Yes. Okay. So it's going to be at the Olympic Plaza, and they will just be painting somewhere around that area. We're still trying to figure out logistics, but they will be there painting live. And That's you can pretty come cool. See, yeah. I, I'm going to check that out. No ticket necessary, right? It's just open to the public. Yes, it's open to the public. So we are selling tickets for a VIP experience. Mm -hmm. Those are almost sold out. But the event is free. There's going to be food trucks there. We're having Nana's Hot Dogs, Wheels on Wings. And this is in partnership with the Gateway and Flankers. So Flankers will be there also providing um, some margaritas if you want a cocktail. If you so choose. If you choose. At Frida Fiesta. Yeah. First annual. So the Latino Social Club is committed to this as a milestone every year. Yes, so this is our first annual. Mm -hmm. We put on different events for the community. We also do Utah Latin Runway. So that's another one of our events. Um, you know, Frida Fiesta was kind of my idea. I thought, we need to do this. We must do this. And here we are. So, um, yeah, all the ladies have come together, and we're excited to see the outcome that's going to come. Well, Jessica Corral, where can people learn more and also connect with Latina Social Club? So they can follow us on Instagram at Latina Social Club or Facebook as well. 
Thank you so much for coming down. You're welcome to stick around. You're also welcome to take off. That's how we roll here at Radioactive. And please, I would love to uh, talk to you more about the Latina Social Club and get you in here to do some shows. Yeah, let's do it. About whatever you want to talk about. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for coming down. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Carly Gillespie is with us as well from the Urban Food Connections, but also the downtown Salt Lake City Farmers Market. And local Eat Local Week starts this weekend, Aldine. This weekend, it goes for a whole week, and there's a challenge involved, and we want folks to eat local all the time, but this is the week where it's a big challenge. How's it going? How does it go, Carly? Yeah, so this is actually going to be our 16th annual Eat Local Challenge, which feels wild, right? (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's just, we are in peak harvest season in Utah right now, and so it's really just a celebration of the harvest season, um, helping people reconnect to where their food comes from um, and helping them, encourage them to eat local. And, you know, some people take it very seriously and they only eat food that comes from within 250 miles of their home. Other people just try to work in a local item. So if you're just buying eggs from the grocery store, swing by the farmer's market or swing by Liberty Heights Fresh and pick up some local eggs and mix that into your diet. It doesn't matter how much you do or how hard you go. It's about connecting with your food. The thing with the farmer's market is you can get local eggs, you can get local milks, you can get local cheese, you can get not just vegetables, but a little bit of everything. Absolutely. Um, People think farmer's market, oh, veggies, but we have such amazing food producers here in Utah, and there are people producing almost anything you need. You can get pretty much anything that you would normally get from the grocery store. You can get it at the farmer's market. You can support a local producer. You can keep your dollars in Utah, um, and you can meet the person who is producing that food. And that can be so powerful for people who maybe are not connected with the seasonality of food or not connected with where their food comes from. And you provide resources, and we'll put in, in a link in the show notes so folks can find it, but there's a farmer's market directory across the state, but then also a resources list. Yeah, so um, as Laura said, there's a great farmer's market directory. Anywhere you live in the state of Utah, there is a farmer's market nearby. Check out the website. See where um, the farmer's market near you is happening. There's also, especially in the Wasatch Front, there's probably a farmer's market happening almost every single day during the week. So you miss the Saturday farmer's market because you're going to this amazing festival on Saturday. Stop by um, a market, uh, Wheeler Farm, on Sunday. There's all sorts Park of options. Park Silly Market. Park Silly Market. Harriman is Monday. There's one on Thursday out in West Valley. Thursday at the at uh, Liberty Park. We're done. Is it wrapped up? <laughs> okay. This week was our last week at Liberty, but um, as you said, I believe there is one in West Valley or yep. West Jordan on West Thursday. Valley. So there are a lot of options. And then if you're not shopping at the farmer's market, there are grocery stores like Liberty Heights Fresh. Harmon's is such an amazing resource for our local eaters because they support our local producers so much. So you can get local produce there. You can get local products there. They're very good at labeling that. You can also look for products with the Utah's own label, yeah. which is another amazing resource to kind of connect you. So you don't have to do that hard work. You can just look for that Utah's own label and know that it's a local product. So the farmer's market goes through when because we're starting to wind down so the downtown farmers market at pioneer park goes through october 22nd the winter market that will be at the gateway will start on november 14th (laughs) you're racking their brain in time to you know get supplies for thanksgiving yes just in time to get your supplies for thanksgiving you can order your local turkey from old home place farms that's where i get mine every year and um, try to have a local feast. There you go. So tomorrow, Farmer's Market, 8 to 2 at Pioneer Park, which is 3rd South, 3rd West, downtown Salt Lake. And KRCL will be broadcasting live. Veggies and vinyl, we're going to have our last record sale there, as well as have Saturday Breakfast Jam and uh, Saturday Sage broadcasting live. I think we're right next to you, aren't we? Yeah, you're going to be broadcasting live right next to us. And then the record sale is actually going to be near the dog park. So Ah, we're, we're split. We're, you, I'm splitting you guys up because you're too rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to give you room to breathe because um, from the sounds of it, y'all are bringing a lot, a of, lot of vinyl. So a lot of vinyl. We want to offer you some shade to keep them fresh, and we want to give you a good spot. So right. you'll be up by the dog park, which is on 300 West Side. 
Um, and I think it will be impossible to miss you. You'll be yeah. under the green KRCL tent, and they'll be the ones with all of the records. All of the mm-hmm. records. So there you go, Al. Um, Carly, thanks for coming. Um, you mentioned Turkey and Roots Charter High School yes. has Turkey, and you have some an event that you wanted to uh, link together. Yes, I was trying to pull up those details, and my phone wasn't cooperating, but <laughs> Food at the Farms are showing a great movie in partnership with uh, Roots Charter High School. And, of course, the Internet's just not cooperating with me, so I'll find it before the show is over and do a shout-out. But Sorry. thanks for reminding me. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. I'll get it working. And I'm going to play a couple underwriting messages and allow some of our guests to leave, and then Nick Valeski will be here to talk pests, tomatoes, and grasshoppers, Aldine. Tomato Armageddon. Stick around. The City Library and the Great Salt Lake Collaborative present The History of the Great Salt Lake, a conversation about the cultural history of the lake, Wednesday, September 28th, 6 to 7 p.m. at the Marmalade Branch, 280 West, 500 North in Salt Lake City. For more details, visit greatsaltlakenews.org. KRCL's record sales season is coming to a close this Saturday at the Downtown Farmer's Market from 8 to 2 p.m. in Pioneer Park. If you can believe it, we'll still have brand new fresh vinyl to put out for this sale. We still have Dylan, we still have the Talking Heads, lots of 80s records, lots of blues records, and as always, lots of Judy Collins. This is the final sale of the season, so everything must go. Visit krcl.org for all the details. If in doubt, that is the final record sale. We'll see you at Pioneer Park tomorrow. Uh, you're listening to Radioactive, Bunk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7, you've got Democracy Now! And then Circus Brown, not a sideshow, 20th anniversary of being on the air. Here is a volunteer DJ at KRCL. He's got Marula, a live band as well. So stick around for all of that. The the item that Al was referring to, it's called Films on Food at Farms with Slow Food Utah and Roots Charter High School. And that is happening on September 28th, 6.30 p.m. And they're going to screen a great film. And all you got to do is check tonight's show notes to get details. There's also a picnic option with Urban Pioneer Cafe. But... The film is Food for the Rest of Us. It examines how getting back to the land is tied to other movements such as Black Lives Matter, I Don't Know More, and Time's Up. So that is the, uh, the, th- the event that you were talking about, Aldine. So let's get to Nick Valeski and talk about tomatoes and grasshoppers, shall we? Yes, Nick's with the Integrated Pest Management Program at USU, which is one of the best places to go and get on their website and find out anything about gardening i love i get lost on that website i could click links for days but thanks for coming with um and being here with us nick it's been a minute yeah thanks so much like al said i work with utah state university extensions ipm or integrated pest management program my role is to work with vegetable farmers whether you're a commercial grower small urban farmer or even like a home gardener who grows vegetables on different arthropod, insect, or disease pests that we see across Utah. And we actually get, uh, you can sign up for a list and we get an email from you if we're on the list. Tell us about a little bit about where folks can get on that. Yeah, so during the growing season, we have our pest advisories. So if you grow fruit trees or if you grow vegetables, you can subscribe to one of those. And we do a lot of monitoring throughout the state. So we'll send out timely alerts, which those emails are regarding different pests, um, diseases that you might see within your crops and what, how to identify them and what you can do to best manage them. Always like to get those. Uh, sometimes it's you, sometimes it's Marion Murray. Um, great information coming from USU. So this year, Nick, uh, I think um, I know on the tip of a lot of folks' tongues is what happened with the tomatoes. Um, some folks did. Yeah, Laura, <laughs> maybe you're one of the only ones. The only spot in the corner <laughs> of Rose Park. I, I heard of large farms even losing yeah. quite a number of tomatoes and having them just kind of wither and die yeah. or be stunted. And I, I heard that it was a perfect storm as far as weather goes, but let's hear it. So let's hear what you got to say about it. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of the news media articles that we saw the kind of the past month about tomato COVID, tomato apocalypse. Tomato COVID, that's just so sad. <laughs> and I think 
maybe a little bit was a little bit misinformation i think a lot was a lot of hype that there was a virus going around yeah. but there really was. yeah really what you said there is a lot of different factors so i'm sure you guys all remember back in the spring we had kind of those really late cool mm-hmm. days happening in the springtime and then all of a sudden it was summer and hot so that what that happened was it affected our soil and if you guys remember a lot of people were trying to transplant and they had to cover their tomatoes a lot of them died from frost damage so like you said all those weather conditions allowed for um different soil pathogens to kind of flourish flourish yeah so a lot of the ones that we saw this year that we identified are called fusarium will and fusarium crown and root rots so again, those are both soil-borne pathogens that live in our soil. So what a lot of symptoms we saw were, like you said, the browning of the leaves, the yellow coloration, and just kind of overall wilting and dieback. And a lot of people, like those farmers you said, if you pulled those roots out, you saw a lot of rot happening. Um, sometimes there was a lot of compacted roots or just root balls just because the plants were kept in their growing cells too long before transplant because of the weather Mm -hmm. so that was a lot of the problem as well so um so we have disease and we have uh, and but there's fungal things in the soil and this was a perfect storm for that yeah the high high heat that probably just helped it flourish right yeah and another um problem is the curly top virus which i'm sure a lot of people heard of this year so i I used to struggle that with a lot uh, on like a couple miles to the east but yeah yeah i think i had better soil out not that has something to do with the virus with a bug though doesn't it yeah so that bug or insect is the one that specifically spreads the curly top virus is a beet leaf hopper. Mm-hmm. So it's really tiny. Like you wouldn't see it unless you looked really close. It's like less than four, milli- four millimeters big. Wow. And it's life cycle. It overwinters in kind of the southern parts of the state or even farther south in the more desert areas. And then again, weather is a big factor season to season. So um, if there's available vegetation for that insect and the wind currents that bring it up, and there's so many different hosts for the beet leaf hopper, and there's several different hosts for the curly top virus, which that beet leaf hopper vectors. Uh-huh. So that makes it a challenge. So it, um, is there and I may be I may not be right, but I've heard if you if you cover put a cover over the plant, then they can't rise up and mate or something like that or reproduce so the idea with row covers is you're covering your plant early in the season so when those beet leaf hoppers do come from like the foothills of vegetation or get blown up by wind currents they won't be able to access that plant and spread the virus okay so cover all right i gotta know about you know the mormon grasshopper because yeah. I've had a couple, one on the front porch and one on the back porch. I'm going to name them tonight. The thing is, is they were little <laughs> and, they're, and they're not as invasive. But now they're big. They're gigantoid. Yeah. So the frustrating thing about grasshoppers, as you said, there's several different species. Mm-hmm. So I think you're talking about the Mormon cricket, which okay. is one. Well, they're all the same. They ra- <laughs> and in they folklore, all, they, they wrap into the same thing for me. Yeah, mine. yeah. But the fresh thing about having so many species is their life cycles don't always necessarily li- line up. Yeah. So early in the season, we'll have some species hatching. Little smaller ones. I remember those. Yeah. They went away pretty fast. And then they'll me. continue to hatch kind of throughout the summer. But from a management perspective, the challenge is you want to handle them at the nymph stage. Uh. So when we have all these species just kind of continual adults and nymphs, it's hard just to implement one management in this yeah. season well the one i'm seeing are these kind of tan ones and they're really beefy yeah so especially at this end of the season like they've reached their adulthood and they're going to start laying their eggs okay in grasshoppers <laughs> they lay their eggs in the soil so usually in weeding air er- weedy areas or <laughs> range or pasture land ah what are they doing in, on my porch? <laughs> yeah, so another thing, like we, you probably know grasshoppers are really migratory. So yeah. they'll come in from, like I said like earlier, the foothills, those rangelands, into like our urban area, especially like even here in the city. 
Yeah. So is there something we should be doing as we put our gardens to bed to better prepare for or protect against the, the blight and the virus and the fungal and the grasshoppers and the crickets? Yeah, definitely. So with your tomato plants, definitely dispose of them. Don't um, recycle them. Yeah. So if you do confirm um, a virus infected plant, you can get rid of it as soon as you, you know to prevent um, the virus from spreading to other healthy plants. Um, rotted plants, throw them out. You don't want to keep that in your soil. Um, a lot of growers, they like to just not till, but like gently disc and cultivate their soil to um, just get rid of a lot of plant residue, break that up to prevent any disease spread. That helps a lot. Um, if you also do manage the soil, that can prevent the grasshoppers as well. Okay. And I always recommend good weed control because, again, that, those weeds can be harboring different pests and mm -hmm. viruses. So if you have like a weedy area nearby, you could just mow that down or try to get the goats over. Yeah. And even like put mulch and plant something else there. Okay. Just get rid of those alternate hosts to protect your plants. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for coming. Um, we're going to have to work out a thing now that we have the studio here and we're not on Zoom anymore. Work out a thing where you come once in a while and come a little more often. We when. can get questions asked and then yeah. have them ready for you. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Al and I have been wondering what's up with this blight, and the grasshoppers have been showing up on my doorstep, like I said. <laughs> if you need any tomatoes, though, we've got some out there. You can oh, <laughs> take a bag with you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you so much. And what's the website? Yeah, so extension.usu.edu slash pests. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Going back to our live band tonight, we got the Snarling Yarns in the studio. You got yeah. some Howdy. albums out that you can tell folks about? Yes. Yeah, we can. Our first record came out in the happy year of, when was that, Mara? <laughs> Was that 2020? I think September. Oh, yeah. yeah, COVID times. Great time to release it. Yeah, right? <laughs> per perfect title for it, though. It's called Break Your Heart. It's out on Dial Back Sound. You can track it down uh, on Bandcamp. Uh, it's Snarling Yarns UT there on Bandcamp. New record coming out January 23rd of 2023. Tommy, what's that record going to be called? It's going to be called It Never Ends. <laughs> it Never Ends. How about where are you guys playing next? Oh, what do we got? We got the Botanical coming up. We're going to yeah, be there. Yeah, Red Butte Gardens. Awesome. Um, end of October. We'll yeah, put all we'll, that in the show notes. We'll be there yeah. uh, for four four nights on Fridays and Saturdays uh, in the 20s of October. So that'll be a hoot. Catch us there. And up uh, Kamikazes. You can tell me about that, Will. In Ogden, Utah. It's on 24th and Adams. That'll be uh, October 7th, I, I yeah. believe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's your hometown, are. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. right O-Town. That's right. Get down with the O-Town. It Bingo. should be a lot of fun. Very good. It's been great to have you guys, and we'll have one more at the end of the show at least. Um, this one's called Don't Go Fishing. This is the Snarling Yarns, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
for the 17 emails. Thank you for all 17. And those pictures of your kids, and those pictures of those abandoned Dotsons in your yard, and the stray cats who live in the Dotsons in your yard. Thank you for the photo That sounds that sounds like a job I've had before, Aldine. How about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the Snarling Yarns. We're going to hear from them one more time before the show is over here on Punk Rock Farmer Friday's Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. In studio with Aldine Strychnine, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, and it's time for the Urban Farm Report. So this week is Eat Local Week, and um, we have a couple of ladies here that are in the thick of that, and one both with UDAF, with the Utah Department of Ag and Food. But Carolyn, congrat, Caroline, congratulations. You just secured a really cool job there. That's, Tell us about it. That's right. I'm so excited about it. Um, so I'm the new director of marketing and economic development for the department. Uh, we have a lot of really exciting programs that I'm really proud of and excited to share with you. Uh, one of them is our Utah's own program. So it's all about connecting people with local food, helping them discover local farms, food businesses, where they can find those businesses across the state. And we also have, you know, a ton of grant programs, an international trade program, the local food advisory council, all sorts of good stuff. Really good stuff. And Annie Dunaway's with us. And Annie, you're on the Ogden Food Council. You're with the UDAF. You're with the farmers market up there. You have an urban farm. Tell us a little bit about your position and what you're doing with UDAF. Yeah. Excuse me. With UDAF, um, I am the grants program manager um, in the marketing and economic division. Um, So it's really super fun and exciting to see the need in our state and be able to um, help support that through grants and and, uh, other opportunities available. Good stuff. Really great stuff. And so Eat Local Week, um, lots of benefits to eating local. Mine mine is the taste. Um, I love to cook. And if I cook with something from the garden, I only have to put salt and pepper on it and it tastes really good Mm -hmm. if i do a little something fancier it's even better so let's kind of go and i know there's a lot of other reasons so carolyn you want to start and tell us what some of the benefits of eating local oh sure i mean i think it's important to find what makes you feel passionate about eating locally um i mean you can't beat the flavor like you mentioned of fresh food i feel like a lot of people who think that they don't love fruits and vegetables have just never had something truly amazing and grown with care. Utah's home to over 32,000 farmers across 18,000 farms in the state. All of them, they care so deeply about what they do and provide. You just can't beat it when you find it in your own neighborhood. Um, you can't undersell the economic benefits as well. When you're supporting someone, you're putting pockets right into their dollar and back into your community. Also, the environmental impacts um, and just joy. You know, you go to the farmer's market and when you share that connection with someone, 
you get to see that smile on their face and then you get to share that with people you love. And you know this firsthand because you are also a punk rock farmer here in the city, right? <laughs> this is my itty bitty, the tiniest urban farm yeah. with my little, my 12 backyard chicken gals. So very grateful do for Do they those have ladies. names? They do. <laughs> Each one of them. How's the egg laying been this season with the heat dome and everything? I would imagine it maybe put a crimp in their style. They're really hard workers and I really appreciate it. So they do a lot for my family. So where did it start for you? Because you've got your own little urban farm, but I find most folks there, they had an experience that, that made them want to do this. Uh, I've always loved food, but I've, in my mind, everyone loves food, but like just truly obsessive about it from the time I was little. My grandparents are from rural South Carolina and we'd venture over and see my grandma's neighbor's cows or pick the blackberries and when you're tiny it's hard to understand just because you visit your grandma three times a year doesn't mean it'll align with blackberry season yeah um loved cookbooks did food photography for years so just throughout my career did a lot of time in restaurants um but just that that element of connection like i think food is as close to magic as you can get yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and 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 done away from ogden food council but also urban prairie agriculture you do have your own small farm and I understand that you could have brought your CSA to the Snarling Yarns tonight on the show if you knew they were here. They're one of your customers. Yeah, absolutely. I feel pretty blessed to have multiple roles with agriculture in the state. Um, a small farm is one of them, Urban Prairie Agriculture. This is my fourth season in business officially. Um, and I'm so grateful for the support that I've received as a farmer. But more importantly, I'm really grateful to be living out my passion um, for me, too, um, agriculture has deep roots in my childhood and in what I see as incredibly critical to um, stable local food systems. Let's, let's, go, let's go back to that local food system. You've been studying some of that stuff. What's the current What's the current vibe on the local food system right now? How's it working? Yeah, I really feel like it's the movement right now. A lot of people are starting to recognize that food from home is food for health, food for access, it's food for everyone, which isn't really possible when we're talking about um, grocery store systems. Um, when I grow my food, I get to decide if my neighbor eats. Ah, I see what mm -hmm. you mean, because you can share, whether it's, you know, actively engaged with your neighbors and sharing the harvest or dropping off a zucchini because you got way too much <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah, absolutely. It creates an abundance of produce that we know is grown well and by people who love doing it and aren't there for any other reason than to provide this beautiful abundance. Yeah. How about the, the importance of local food sustainability and sovereignty? Food sovereignty is a big word now. It is a big word. And um, one issue that I think people should be really be aware of with food is um, regarding what's called a dominant good. So a dominant good is an item or, or service by which controlling means that you control the masses because the people either need it to survive or they need it to enter into society. So when we look at history, I'm talking about the Irish potato <coughs> famine, there was more than a fungus going on there. Right. There and was all sorts of politics and controlling the masses through food. And that's absolutely right. But when we bring food to our backyards... We bring that uh, autonomy as well. So off the grid, baby. Eat from your backyard and get mm -hmm. away from the, you know, we talked a little bit and we can go down this rabbit hole about how the food is produced by big ag. It might not have the nutrients and stuff in it that keep people healthy and the stuff from the backyard has all of that. You can control it yourself. Um, and we, we started to talk about it and you're like, um, I could go on about this forever. <laughs> and like, this is a punk rock thing, obviously yeah. that we need to mention here, but you know, to having your me, own victory to garden, beat it right? into the ground yeah. is one thing too, but go and grow your own food steer away from the cardboard tomato at the supermarket yeah. you're also on the ogden food council and i know we have a salt lake food council as well mm -hmm. and i'm just kind of curious about the work there which really brings it to the masses like you were saying to get involved in the food supply yeah, absolutely. So the Ogden Food Council does some pretty amazing things with their time that we're together. They've gathered a, a group of pretty intelligent people together to work on solving some food issues, some dealing with equity, some dealing with access, and some dealing with policy. 
Um, so one of the things I'm pretty excited about, well, I'll talk about two things. So one thing I'm pretty excited about is the headway we're, we're making working with corner stores to provide access to local fresh produce. So instead of just, you know, your candy bars and your sodas, getting some produce on there, which we would see maybe in larger cities where there's bodegas and things like that, but it's not, it's not the convenience store culture here. Sure thing. And Ogden has an enormous problem with what's called a food desert. There's no access for majority. The majority of readily available produce is available at large su supermarkets on the outskirts of Ogden, mm -hmm. not in central Ogden, where a huge part of our um, at-risk population lives. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I think I, I heard that you guys are also partnering with some friends of ours, Waste Less Solutions, Dana Williamson. And um, yeah. you have something that going on actually, in Ogden with those guys. Yeah, that was actually the second thing that I wanted to mention about what the Ogden Food Policy Council has done. They actually brought Wasteless Solutions in. And what Wasteless Solutions does is they um, provide opportunities for food to get used for the full duration of its life, either by by collecting from citizens, from restaurants, um, from grocery stores, that food waste and making sure it gets distributed out where it's needed and where it can't be reused and consumed by humans, finding ways to put it back into the food system through composting and other opportunities. Yep, Dana's been on our show a few times. Caroline, Caroline, sorry. <laughs> um, programs that are going along with UDAF and uh -huh. Talk a little bit about those. We've had Tony Richards on, yeah, he's and, so great. and he's so great, and you get to work alongside him. We have one of my favorite things about the marketing division is we support the whole department, so it's fun to get to have our hands in like all these exciting programs that are happening. Uh, one of our biggest priorities at the department is improving local food security and food infrastructure across the state, um, as well as agland agricultural land preservation. I think we've all seen that loss of farmland as urban and suburban encroachment has taken very our most fertile soils. So Utah, uh, UDAF has a lot of really cool programs to address that. Um, we have a brand new ag land preservation program, the Lee Ray McAllister Fund. Uh, you mentioned Tony Richards. He's over our soil health program. We've got um, an ag VIP program, a voluntary incentive program that's all about responsible waste management and improving um, you know, dairy farms. Our water, opti <laughs> sorry. our water optimization grant is one that's gotten a lot of attention recently to address concerns related to drought and agricultural water use, um, and they've had some really exciting results. You know, people are often fast to criticize agriculture and water use throughout the state, but farmers are really um, interested and engaged in programs that help them conserve water and improve their irrigation systems. We've got grazing improvement programs, invasive species, um, all sorts of programs to support the food industry and get people more access to local food. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about when you talk about equity and access, um, I've got the ability to pay for the water I need to grow the small vegetable patch in my backyard. So what do you got for me on, on that, Annie? Yeah, that's actually such an amazing topic, and we do talk about it quite often in the uh, Food Council. So one of the things that would be um, providing equitable access through growing your own food would to be providing um, secondary water access throughout neighborhoods in Ogden. Um, we have a previous study we're going off of regarding what that would cost and what infrastructure would be needed. And hopefully as we proceed forward as a council, we'll, we'll find remedies for um, implementing secondary water throughout. One of the notes that Al, you sent me about Annie is that she's also the agriculture coordinator for Marriott Slaterville. And I'm curious, <laughs> what does that mean? And how does that work day to day? You know, Marriott Slaterville really is a visionary community. And I, I don't know how else to say it more plainly. Um, years ago, and I'm talking decades ago, they had the foresight to see agriculture disappearing. And when developers began buying up large portions of land, they took the opportunity to carve out of those portions remaining acreage that goes into a land trust called Green Open Spaces. And so that land trust is, is basically got this ability to have agri-hoods if anybody knows what an agrihood is, we that's do. We, we, we use do. that Through term all the time. <laughs> yeah, so it's throughout Marriott Slaterville, wow, and so they're like a multiple. food forest. Yeah, so I am actually one of their farmers in this program of multiple agrihoods. 
That is so cool. We need to go up there and see it with our yeah. own eyes, Aldine. Yeah, that'd be great. We didn't get out like we had hoped this this uh, summer, so we're gonna plan a farm tour next year and definitely get up there to that region. So, what are some websites you want to give out to folks who are listening about eating local, <coughs> growing local, getting involved in Ogden with the Food Council, Annie? Oh, you know, the Food Council actually has some current seats open if you live or work in Ogden and are interested in the food industry, you should definitely um, send an email out to us. Our website is Ogden Food Policy Council. Great, we'll put yeah. that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And Caroline, all this stuff you're talking about, mm-hmm. the, the website's gotta have all sorts of tabs. That's right. But uh, a lot of it sounded for more, you know, I don't wanna say higher end, but larger farmers. But the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food works for me too as a backyard grower. Absolutely, and we have all kinds of resources available. If you visit ag.utah.gov, you'll find the main Utah Department of Agriculture website. You'll find upcoming events, like tomorrow we're at the USU Ag Day Barbecue. Um, our, you know, we have a number of grant programs for all sorts of farms. We want to support agriculture in all its forms across the state. There's a lot of money right now that um, is is can be allocated for small farmers. There's mm-hmm. a lot. There's there's millions of dollars, I just, what I heard. Tens of millions. So right? that's why I'm so excited to have Annie here. Her entire role at the department is overseeing our specialty crop grant, a farm stress grant, and also being that resource coordinator to help people sort through the weeds of, you know, state and federal funding that's available. There's so many interesting USDA grants that can help you get started with your dream or keep your farm viable. So urban farmers out there, you heard it here. Um, I, you know, I want everybody to capitalize on this and we want more local food. We mm-hmm. want everybody to grow, to be growing our, their own food and more farmers to be growing food. Go ahead, dear. Um, so utahzone.org is also our website that helps people discover local farm or local farms near you that you can support. But we have so many great partners throughout the state as well. Wasatch Community Gardens can't sing their praises enough about all the resources they provide. I think if you visit your website, you all talk with so many people who are right in the thick of it with our community. Mm-hmm. USU Extension, if you ever have a question about a crop, they have an answer. And they they love to answer the phone and talk to folks. You were saying there's so much money at the state level available, but also the USDA is committed Mm -hmm. up to $300 million to help more farmers switch to uh, growing organically. And I know that's catching on. It goes in waves here, I feel like, in Utah, let alone um, updating tech to save water. So there's so much resources at your fingertips through UDAF. That's right. But sometimes it can be a little overwhelming on knowing where to start. So that's why we're excited to bring in people like Annie, who can really, you know, give you that one-on-one guidance to help you find which grant is the best fit for you. And it can also be really intimidating. What paperwork do you need to track? For how long? Who's the best point of contact? Even knowing what time of year to keep an eye out for these grants. So we really want to let people know that we're here to help. We're not just a regulatory agency. We want to help you start your farm. So is there a place where folks can get a hold of you, Annie, to talk about grants? Yeah, you can email me at adunaway at utah.gov. And um, I'm quick to respond, so I want everyone to have access. And it's not just USDA and UDAF grants that are available. There's tons of small organization grants as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And UDAF, where can people find you online? Um, ag.utah.gov. And to find our grants, it's just ag.utah.gov slash grants. And please take some of our tomatoes with you tonight. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) thank you. That's fantastic. Eat Local Week starting this weekend. Take the challenge, folks. More details in the show notes. My thanks to all of our guests, to you, Aldine, to Sullivan Pechenpang, who's doing our audio tonight, and we'll be doing it for Circus Brown at 8 o'clock. But we need to talk one more time to the Snarlin' Yarns, Aldine. I think we have time for two. It depends on how, you know, if you guys play on a speed and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. We we got plenty. (laughs) So what's the website or the social where folks can catch up with you and your gigs and your downloads? Well, you can track us down on Bandcamp as Starlin' Yarns UT. You can find us there. You can find us on the Dialback Sound website. That's our label out of Water Valley, Mississippi. We're real fortunate to record our records with uh, Bronson, too, in the studio there. He works with uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers and a whole bunch of other great folks. And then Matt Patton from the Drive-By Truckers. So there's some sweet alchemy in Mississippi. And where else can we be found, Mary Brown? find us on all the socials if you'd yeah. like Instagram, Instagram and Facebook um, the Snarling Yarns and we have our own website the snarlingyarns.com and there's an old 8 track out in the parking lot <laughs> that we're on actually uh, <laughs> William doesn't have a phone so you, you gotta just, just yell if you wanna find him uh, uh, let's try and squeeze in two okay Next. this one is uh, Star Valley Skies and this Such is the Snarling Yarns 
Right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. See you at the farmer's market. Do what you're told before you get too old. Do some good and chop some wood for grandmothers. Wood burn and soap. Set up the greenhouse. Fix a roof out on the barn. Play cat and mouse with the kids or build a cradle with a piece of yarn. Cause there are no bears out tonight. Granddaddy shot them all up last night. And if you reach up, you know you're just about the right height. To touch those, the star valley skies. Just above the skies. The star valley skies. Just above the skies. Put a hook on that line, some bait on that hook. Rain or come shine, we'll keep fishing or go read comic books. Play old maid in the camper and ball out in the yard. Burying my dogs next to the highway was too hard. But grandfather told me I'd be a better man. And if I needed strength, he'd just reach out his hand. Yeah. I swear to gosh, it might be a master plan. Especially when the fertilizer hits the fan. Skies. Just above the vines. The Star Valley Skies. Just above the vines. Oh, the Star Valley Skies, they light up the night. I see them reflecting in my mother's, mother's eyes. Yeah. The Star Valley Skies. The Star Valley Skies. They're gonna get right to the surface, up above the dirt, into the tendrils of the ferns, into the tendrils of the ferns. And here comes the coyote, gonna grab a hold of that bone, that good old dog bone. That coyote down in the creek, that coyote down in the creek, gonna sip up that creek water through a straw dog bone, through a straw dog bone. That coyote gonna leave a little bit of himself everywhere, everywhere, yeah, everywhere. Wake up and pee, you know the world is on fire. Pull my finger, hang your pants on the telephone wire. Here's a kiss for you and a little black bug. Better believe that playing with fireworks is just like doing drugs. Or shooting burn barrels in those pot-bellied squirrels. Up above Dip Hollow is a whole other world. Where the bats come out and bump and collide in cosmic light. And the cranes call from the slough. Of those Star Valley skies, just above the vines. The Star Valley skies, just above the vines. The Star Valley skies, just above the vines. The Star Valley skies, Oh man, give us a little DWI now to take us out, shall we? All right. Yeah.
RCL, Salt Lake City.